Welcome, welcome to Noob School. Today I have, uh, I got a panel. It's a sales panel, and I've got uh, two good friends and folks I used to work with, Marty Osborne over here. Welcome, Marty. Hey, John. Welcome back. Be, I should it's say. good to be back. Welcome yeah. back. Yeah, I'm glad. And Johnny B or Johnny Bafilius here in the center square is here. Uh, where do you work for now, Johnny? I work with Accenture. Accenture. You work with Accenture. Okay. So these guys, when I worked with them, Johnny was a crack pre-sales man. <laughs> so he would go out with the salespeople to create the product uh, demo view that the salesperson had maybe promised. Uh, or we promised together. Maybe you promised together. <laughs> <laughs> but he was, of was all a- the people we worked with, Johnny was the best at that. And I think partially because there's a, there's a secret salesperson in him that has finally come out. That is correct. The, de- is correct. the demon has come yeah. out. Oh, hasn't it, it was always in there. I think it just sometimes we didn't know it until right. it would come out. But right. uh, I, I, by the way, one of the things, John, I want to get started. Just I have to tell a story about sure, Johnny. Sure, man, do it. And he'll laugh. Like one of my favorite things was um, I took over the pre-sales team, and I just remember like <laughs> we were doing a demo, and I may have been for Chevron, and the pre-sales guy was working, and his systems crashing. I'm like, what's going on? And he's like. You know, we only have a 10 megabyte hard drive, you know? And I'm like, you're kidding me. We spend like millions of dollars, <laughs> right, to get this deal, and we can't even afford to write hard drive. So we buy new hard drives. Larry thinks it's great, and he says, I want you to take over the pre sales team now. I said, okay. So I hunt down Johnny, and I hired Johnny. I said, he needs to be part of the team. I've heard good things about him. And so the first year, I'm sitting down with the team. And I list everybody's, like, how much they've sold. And, Johnny, do you remember what your number was? Yeah, it was a goose egg. <laughs> it was zero. Zero. Like, literally, I'm going through it. I'm like, Johnny Bafilio, zero. No, what you happened? said goose egg. I said goose egg. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened? Well, I went from zero to number three and eventually number one. So nobody's ever going to say I had a goose egg again. <laughs> so, so when you started and you went goose that first year, why do you think, what did you learn that, that moved you up the ladder? Well, so, you know, there's no excuses in why I had a goose egg. Right? I had a goose egg. I was put into a new vertical. We wanted to start a new vertical called Fleet. Um, so it was brand new. I'm brand new in pre-sales. So now I'm not only brand new in pre-sales, but I'm brand new. So at the time I was trying to, I probably put more effort on learning the fleet information versus learning how to do my job. Uh-huh. Right. So the lesson there was focus on what's important and it's important is what's, what's, you know, selling. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and the other stuff will come. Yeah. And then the second part was the motivation was I've never had a goose egg in my life. I've been working for data streams since I got out of college I've always been successful in every role I ever had, even if you recall I was in Europe, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I've never had a goose egg. Where's, where's this goose egg coming from? So then that <laughs> next year, it was, I went to every single salesperson. They already had their fa- favorite pre-sales folks. I'm like, no, 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 no. you got to give me a try. And I worked <laughs> harder and, and faster and smarter to make sure I got their trust. And there you, you did go. It. You did it. And, and I think, you know, part of the lesson, because I, I knew he had the talent. And so... The goose egg was more or less like a challenge. Like, and yeah. I guess, you know, one of the things in sales is 
you have the tool, you have the process, sometimes you don't get right away the desired result. Right. And too many people quit, they give up, they're, you know, million excuses. Johnny never said it was excuse. He just said, I'm going to work harder than anyone else. And literally within two years, he was number one. And, you know, through that process, I think we all learned a lot. And again, it was funny is, as Key progressed, the other pre-sales, they're like, well, wait a minute, I used to be number one, and right. then that person wanted it. So right. that was kind of one of my early days sort of favorite yeah. stories because people are afraid to rank, people are afraid of where they are. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about sales over and over again, and I think Johnny and I laugh about it, but there's one commonality to all great salespeople, and it's this thing called work. Yeah, yeah, and they <laughs> and, want to win, yeah. One one thing I like to add there, you were talk, we were talking about you playing the uh, uh, the saxophone, right? Mm-hmm. And you know it's a basker, right? I don't know, you know, basically. So there's <laughs> one book that I read early when I was in pre-sales, learning pre-sales. But I used to do a lot of reading on how to perfect it in the demonstration. But there was the book we read, Marty and I read about the basker, and basker is probably one of the best pre-sales persons out there, right? They do a show, they have to, they get like you know, things thrown at them. They, it's called juicing the jam. You know, we got an issue. We got to make something out of it. So it's very important, you know, those, but learning was one of the keys to the success, right? If I had to say, it was yeah. a lot of reading and a lot of pre- preparation and, and, and practicing. Well, I'd like to know about your, your <clears throat> transition from being a great pre-sales person to becoming a salesperson. And now, now of course you're doing very well at that too, but what was that like? It wasn't easy. <laughs> it said it was. Uh, it was really tough. It w- I had a great start because Infor acquired DataStream, and I was put into what they called the, indus- the cross sales role to help ex- help cross sell uh, EA Infor EAM or DataStream EAM at the time into non uh, EAM Infor accounts. Mm-hmm. So that was that was an easy transition in sales because you know I didn't really have to sell it. I had a team that helped me. So I, it was kind of it. it it shielded me a lot from the, a lot of the sales stuff. But when I left Infor eventually, after 18 years, I was data stream Infor for 18 years, and I went to a, a, a reliability services company, kind of like Accenture, except smaller. Mm-hmm. It was my first <laughs> real exposure into sales because I was dropped in by myself. Mm. And there was a lot that I thought I knew that I did not know, yeah. right? You know, I could, I could have the process. The process is the easy part. You know, it's going through the each portion of the process. So I, I would say I struggled for the first, and Marty, Marty knows this, I struggled for the first five years in sales, um, kind of like the pre-sales role, except it took me a little bit longer because I was by myself trying mm-hmm. to do it. And But once once the formula and the recipe came together, I think there, then from there, I was 15 years now, you know, everything's been going great and getting better and better. So uh, I would say it, it, it's it's... I know a lot of people see sales as easy. It is not. It's yeah. not for the I think faint of heart. You know, I would say that it is easy at some point. You know, right. once you really know what you're doing and you have your customers you're working with, like it looks easy when you look at someone making a lot of money. Saying, what is, this guy's not working that hard, right? <laughs> exactly. But he's already got the relationships. He knows exactly what to do. So it can look easy. It can become easy. But the first... The first, you know, so many years is not hard. Plus, you started somewhere that didn't have a big support system. Correct. That's, exactly. That's a tough way to do it. Exactly. Exactly. If I was, say, a data stream or info at the time, it would have been different. Right. Because right? I would have had it. But there, I had to kind of, I was on my own. Right. And, you know, I was working with engineers that didn't know anything about sales. So I had to figure that out and work with their, those personalities. Right. 
But now I'm working with Accenture, which is what almost 700,000 people, you know, 60 billion in revenue. And, you know, last year I had a real good year and this year I'm, you know, I'm on board of doing it better than last year. So it's a, it's, it's a lot of, it's exciting. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Now it's easy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's but right. I think part of it is the process, right? Once you sort of learn that process and you have confidence in that is when it, when it shines. And it's funny. One of the things that we always run into is you go out to sell and everybody, the first thing they want to do, they want to talk about their product. They want mm -hmm. to talk about how great they are. You know, behind them, they're like trying to make quotas. And I think the one thing that drives me crazy when somebody says, I got to, I got to have this deal yeah. or I'm in trouble. And I'm yeah. like, well, what does that have to do with the prospect? Right. Yeah. And so I think one thing that Johnny's learned and, and watching is that there's a lot of intro meetings. Like sometimes he'll go two, three meetings without ever even mentioning the product mm -hmm. or even talking about it because if you don't have that trust, right. then you are just another salesperson. And I think that's, to me, I've looked at over my career is being that trusted advisor, like earning that trust. Mm -hmm. Once you do, people are open to whatever you do, but right out of the gate when you're right. just trying to jam whatever you have down their throat, yeah. you know, their first instinct is... <laughs> yeah, I'm not paying him to say all this. <laughs> no, but I think, I think you're right. And Marty, you know, I've, I've seen you're, you're particularly good at that. I think you can get to that place quicker than most people, maybe because of your attitude and the way you approach it, but also, you know, with the title, you know, when you're president of something, mm -hmm. it's a little easier to have that kind of, well, let's just talk, you know, owner to owner kind of thing. Um, but that, that's a key thing that I've been talking about a lot lately, lately and asking people about is how do you go from first meeting to that trusted advisor position? And, of course, the wrong way is to say, we'd like to be your trusted advisor. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. Because, I haven't heard that before. No. So does everybody no. else. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think what you just said is, is exactly a good start in that you just – we're just here to learn. We're here to learn and we're to learn about you and not bring up anything. Not say, well, we've been in business 17 years. We've got over 484 customers. You who know, cares? Who cares? So and, we have an end of the, and we have an end of the month special. <laughs> yeah. Right? Sometimes that works. No. <laughs> <laughs> or sometimes the boss makes you. Only make in case sure of emergency. <laughs> yes. In case of emergency. Yeah, I mean, people love good deals. We've got to be right. honest. But I think long term, it's when you show a general, general or a, a real interest in the other person and that prospect is when they know you're there to help. And I think we probably talked about it in my first one. You always ask, like, what's your favorite book? Yeah. And hands down, it's the Challenger Sale. Mm -hmm. Each and every day, and it's, I guess, another funny story is John put out a question around, I think it was Noob School, yeah. and, yeah. you know, you had some ideas on the name and so forth. And so I sent John <laughs> back on, it was probably Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, and I said, John, do you mind if I challenge you? But <laughs> I think these are all really bad ideas. Bad names. And here's my idea. And you wrote back and you just kind of laughed and said, that's Marty the challenger. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that to me, you know, people want to be taught something new each and every day. Mm -hmm. And I think as salespeople, when we know our craft, when we know the people, then we can start to challenge them to think differently. And that's when I think you get the respect and, you know, to, to earn the right to then call in, you know, a, a favor or mm -hmm. call in a deal. Yeah, I agree. And if, you know, I would just say, I'll ask this to the group. Maybe we can all do it our own way. But if it was the end of the quarter and you were under some pressure 
to make a certain number. If just hypothetically, yeah, yeah. What is the best way to to make that offer to your trusted customer? Well, that's a very good question. So it all has to do though with what you've done before, right? The first thing is, and everybody knows this, all of my colleagues, coworkers, and friends that are in sales, you know, it's all about pipeline. So if you have pipe, enough pipeline, you're not going to have to worry about asking that question if you need it. So you have that favor. But uh, there's a book I read by, it's called The Way of the Wolf. It was the, the gentleman, it was about the Wolf of Wall Street, but he wrote a book on how, you know, on a playbook. Sales is not linear. Sales is, you know, it has all, has, uh, it, it, if it was linear, it would be easy for you to close a deal. But it has these three attributes that, for sure, you have to go from a zero to a 10. You have to have each one is you have to have trust and a relationship with the client. They got to believe in the product or your idea and they've got to believe in your company and, 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 the va- and its references, right? And you got to take those from a zero to a 10. So every meeting you do, you got to move that to. If you've, done the tr- if you've done all those and say the product or idea is maybe at a five or six, but the trust is at a nine, and you say, hey, look, I need a favor. You know, I know you need this. I know you have this slotted, but, you know, this is the time where I need to cash in <laughs> one of my <laughs> chips. <laughs> and nine out of ten times, most of those times, you get that end of the quarter number that yeah. you're looking for, okay. right? You try not to cash it, but, you you know, but if you have it, you have to. That's So, what, how, that's Marty, what. how would you phrase it? Well, I got to go on that one just for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember, John, you put me out on the West Coast. I yeah. was the VP of uh, sales for while you were trying to find somebody. I said, I'll do it for a while. And we had Louisiana Pacific. Yeah. It was the end of the, it was like Christmas Eve. It was, we were trying to close the deal. We had built the trust. They believed in the product. It's just, we couldn't get over the line. And I remember picking up the phone and somehow it, maybe the receptionist or something was gone. So I got the guy on the phone and he's like, hello. And I go, uh, this is Marty Osborne. We've been working with your team. And I kept going through all the things, and he goes, we'll just do it the next year, next year, next year. And finally, I just said, it's Christmas. Can you sign the deal? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I just did that. And the guy finally says, I'll sign it under one condition. You never call me again. I said, dude, it's done. Deal. Deal. That's how we got the Louisiana Pacific. So, you know, every once in a while, again, I think if you do those three things. Yeah. One other technique, (laughs) and I thought, Johnny, you might have said this, but... Jim Camp, which has a book called Start With No, Uh is sometimes you start with the no, like you hand the no chips. I always said in deals, there's two things, right? If you give somebody the power to say no, then all of a sudden they drop their defenses. And so a good example is you get a call from a salesperson they're trying to sell. Your first mind is get them off the phone, get them off the phone, get them off the phone. I don't know what you're saying. I just got to get you off the phone. If I start the call with, hey, John, this is Marty. I know it's the end of the month, and look, I got, I got something I want to share with you, but please, at any point in time, if you want to say no or just stop me, say no and I'll stop. Mm-hmm. I'll go away. I just have something I want to share with you, but I also know I want to respect your time. Just say no. Yeah. Once I hand you that no chip, you're like, all right, well, I got to hear what you got to say. Yeah. And you drop that mindset, and I say, God, it's, we're at the end of the quarter, We have this deal. It doesn't normally come up. And I just want to know that you're aware of it if you want to take advantage of it. Yeah. If not, I get it. I understand if you want to say no. And it's funny, when you hand somebody the power to say no, Mm -hmm. they don't take it. Yeah. It's weird. It's one of the greatest things that even in cold calling, and we've talked about this, is say, look, I don't know if this is for you. 
I don't know, but I would love to share some things with you. Is it okay? And again, at any point in time, you just hand me that note chip. Yeah. And you drop their defenses, and people will listen because you've respected their ability. And people don't say no. It's kind of funny, but you know, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you don't do that, they're just trying to get off the phone. So that might be another way of doing it is yeah. start with that no, give them that chip, and you'll be amazed at yeah. how much further you yeah. get. Well, I, I, I would uh, – there's many ways to get it done. I know your way probably works for you, but I would agree more – I mean, I would – do more like what Marty did. I would say something like, hey, Marty, you know, it probably doesn't make sense for you guys, but I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't tell you that our corporate people are throwing these end-of-the-year discounts out there. So if you want to get the stuff anyway, you can get it cheaper. If not, we'll do it next year. Right. You know, something like that. That I, I wouldn't. That's not wasting anything. I'm not wasting a chip or anything with them. Yeah. I'm not asking for it. I'm actually so – Less likely to get the deal than your way, but I'm also not pushing them as hard. Well, actually, uh, I guess I misspoke a little bit. It's not wasting a chip. It's mostly like if you ever read the book, Jab, 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 Right Hook. Jab, Jab, Hook. Right? Like Gary Vanderjack. You've jabbed a lot, and so you've never right hooked. Right. And you may, maybe, you that's, that's, hook, maybe that's a right hook. hook. Maybe that's a, hey, look, I put a lot into the bank account, and I know I'm asking for a withdrawal. You know, I, you, know you could say no, but... You know, this is just an opportunity because, you know, we're trying to, you know. That's a good yeah, point. Exactly. That's a good yeah. point. I, it's funny because that book, Gary V, you know, Gary V and that jab, jab, right hook, yeah. it really is like a boxer. When you get in the ring, so many reps are trying to knock the guy out. Right. You have not earned right. the right, and right. you're just going to flail. If you watch a boxing match, yeah. it is jab, jab, jab until you're ready to hit him. And yeah. it's, I, it's a great analogy for sales. Yeah, very yeah. How about a, you? So you said you would do it. You would just put the disc, you know, we'd say, hey, we're having the end of the year. It's a benefit. But then sometimes, like, you know, they, they listen to you. And, eh, well, you know, it's okay. You know, I guess. I know, I but it. that's the thing is I can say that, Johnny, but I hadn't been, I hadn't had my ass on the line to make the number, <laughs> you know, at the end of a quarter yeah. either, you know. I mean, yeah. Yeah. it's I can be a little more, you know, gentlemanly about it. Yeah. But I, I this happened to me once, back to our thing about being a trusted partner. It's kind of a weird story, but. My my old house, we discovered there was this just horrible mold in the basement, an un, 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 unusual kind of the underground part, not the part where you really you know you, you sit, <laughs> yeah, but like yeah. if you crawled under there, and uh, and so I said, well you know Jennifer call the uh, whoever the mold man is and get him over here, and so he was there when I got home from work one day, and he's sitting on the in the living room, like having a Glass of tea with Jennifer. <laughs> he was he was wearing like a suit or a blazer anyway, and a nice nice older man. And I said, "Well, hey, how are you, Charlie? You know, let's go downstairs, look at the damn mold." He goes, "I thought we'd sit up here. I just want to get to know you a little bit and find out a little bit more about you know what's going on down there." And he just slowed me down. Yeah, he slowed me down. And he asked, even even though it's kind of crazy to think he's asking me about, what do I know about mold? <laughs> it just slowed me down and got me thinking, this guy's actually trying to understand the big picture. How long we've been in the house? When do we plan to sell it? He's trying to figure out how much he needs to do. You know, and finally, after 30 minutes, we go down and do it. And he gave me a quote the next day and did the work. But it just... He became a trusted advisor That's compared right. to most mold men yeah, right I off mean, the bat, just having a glass of tea and talking to me. Well, he knew. If you said, I'm going to be in this house for a while, yeah. he may have done one set of pricing because you want it long term. Or if you're getting ready to sell, he yeah. may say, 
I know you're going to get money. You're not going to be able to sell the house with this. Yeah. I mean, he was just arming his <laughs> his gun for you, and you're like, blah, as Bo Garcia yeah. used to say, right? Yeah. I mean, one of the greatest lines, and and to me, the negotiation is what's on their sheet of paper, right? Right. As salespeople, we don't know what's on their sheet of paper. Mm-hmm. When, as they're saying it, you're going to say the stupid comment. You're right. going to be like, I got to get rid of this mold, and my wife is about to kill me until yeah. I get it done. And yeah. he'd be like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> right? He knows you can't argue. Right. So, yeah, I think taking time to understand what's on that sheet of paper, mm-hmm. and then, as Bill always said, I love the greatest line is listen for the stupid the comment. The stupid comment, yeah. <laughs> it's always yeah. there. Yeah. And just so that's a great story. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think uh, you know he basically created the frame for you, right? And then the mess, and then the messaging, and then the tie down. So he basically, you know, got you to slow down, like kind of like you know Tom Brady, right? He, how why is he always winning? He always figures a way to slow down the game, right? Mm-hmm. He slowed you down. You got your wits about you. Mm-hmm. Then he learned more about you. And honestly, he probably could have charged 10 times more than you would have paid for it because he just created that relationship. Well, he, he, did, he, did a good, he did a good job. He did a good job. He really did a good job. So I got a question for you, John. Okay. I mean, how many, how many interviews are you now in? Oh, oh gosh. I think uh, we're in the 70s. Yes, yeah, nice. 70s. Yeah. And, you know, I guess as you've gone through these, what are some of the things that jump out at you that just have kind of hit you differently that uh, – you know our techniques that salespeople use, or we need to keep in front of us every day. The the, the the best common trait of all the you know, super winners that we've had on is ex- kind of what we're talking about now. They wait and they learn, and they they're like, my job is to figure out how to make Marty successful. That's job one. Now, job two and three and four are working on the contract and negotiating the price and all that kind of stuff, winning the deal, all that's over here somewhere. Mm-hmm. But how do I figure out how I can make you successful is the first thing that Mike Bauer would talk about or Dirk Piper or any guys that are running these big businesses in Greenville or, or you know, um, you know Nate Barr and TJ Pomium that are doing these monster deals for SAP and for Salesforce. They, they're like – I'm in there trying to figure out what my buyer needs, and I, I won't quote until I really understand it. That's the number one thing. Now, that doesn't surprise you, does it? No, no, it doesn't. And uh, and it's funny because I always said earlier, like the time chip, like that was the other thing that cracked me up yeah. is whoever kind of owns the time chip, like if you're holding that time chip and I can slow down, then I'm going to win. And mm-hmm. it cracked me up like with cars. Like mm-hmm. last year, my wife wanted a new car. <laughs> I went in and they're like, uh, we have two coming in August and two coming in December. Which would you like? Uh-huh. I'll take the August one at whatever you charge. Because uh-huh. I lost the time chip. Mm-hmm. And so there are times when somebody comes to you and just says, I got to have this now. I'll do whatever. Then you respond. But yeah. most people... That time chip is, yeah. is huge. Yeah. So that's the other thing, and we've talked about this. We can, we can open this up, but is on interviewing, which is a real uh, important topic for noob school because the noob schoolers are either getting a job or they're going to switch jobs, but they really want to understand how can they put their best foot forward in the interviewing process. So what are some of the things that, like, Johnny, you've seen with the folks, like when you've interviewed or you've interviewed people, what have they done well and what have they done poorly? So 
I my framework is really really simple, and I know probably uh, you know everybody says oh duh, but the the the, the three things that I look at is is you know do they understand their purpose? Are they willing to put in the work, or have they put in the work? And then are they willing to continuously learn, mm -hmm. right? And and when I'm interviewing, and we get we get a lot of young people at Accenture to interview, and I look at them, and I'm trying to understand. All right, what what is their purpose? You know, what are they trying to do? What are they what are they in here? Because I want to make a lot of money. Great, that's that's awesome, mm -hmm. right? It, that's what we all want to do. Mm -hmm. All right, how how you feel like you're going to go about doing it? Right? <laughs> <laughs> what was that, Art Williams? Just yeah. do it. I don't know if you've seen that. Just do yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's that, I always want to say that when they say that. I want to make it. a lot of money. Yeah. Just do it. But um. And then I said, okay, you know, it's a lot of work. I mean, it, you know, it's like going to the gym, right? You can't, you're not going to just lose weight or be fit. You got to go to the gym every day. Each mm -hmm. deal, you got to put on that effort. It's a mm -hmm. lot of work, and you have to continuously learn to be better. And so I try to get those traits out of them, and I try to explain to them that if you can do those three things, right, if you can, if you, if you, you know, if you, if you, you know, have some values and you have the work ethic and you do the right thing, then you're going to be successful, and, and I can help you get there, right? But I, I can't teach those things. So, if, they, so if, they, if you don't have them, you know, then it's going to be a tough world, right? Sure, you're going to walk into some jobs, and you could sell, like, cell phones or certain things that don't have a long lead time. That's all I It's easy. Yeah. But when you're selling things that we sell, yeah. you know, it's not like somebody wakes up in the morning and goes, hey, Johnny, I need some of that uh, Accenture stuff <laughs> you're selling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wish it was, yeah. right? So and when we're going to go into this, if we're going to go into this journey, I need to, I need to make sure that you've got that baseline, right? So that's, that's, a, that's so what I look three for. Three things. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the ability to continually evolve and learn. Correct. To put in the work and that they've done their homework. That, 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 so part of the done of their homework is the work. Okay. Right? Well, I missed something. Then. Yeah, no, the values, right? The values. What do you stand for? Okay. okay. Right? You, are you, you know, if I'm having, if we're going to have a meeting, yeah. right, and I'm not, and I don't believe in the same thing that you believe in, yeah. right? I'm going to try to be somebody different. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be somebody different, <laughs> yeah. right? So if I'm going to be somebody different, then I'm going to be fake, so I don't want to be fake. So, you know, if we're going to work together, I want you to be that person that you truly are. And if you are that person and then you put in the work and then there's – with the work, there's the – you know, you got to do – you know, you got to make sure you nurture the client, make sure you learn about the client, you know, all that. that those go in there. Yeah. But I just break it down to those three simple things because – that's 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 that comes from your core, right? Yeah. You, you're born that way, or you, you you were you grew up that way. And if you if you grew up if you did not, then I'm that's not something I look for, or, or I even help them trying to go after because I just I know it's it's just hard, right? It's 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 a lot of work to do it, and and if you don't at the end of the day, it's all about work. Honestly, it's, <laughs> it's all about work and effort. <laughs> what about you, Marty? What are your top? Top advice. What's your top advice for interview? Well, interview? one thing is I'll flip it a little bit just in when we interview, mm -hmm. right? And one of the things we learned a while back was to slow down. And one of the challenges I think companies have is they hire too fast. Mm -hmm. but he's a great guy. Yeah. And then it doesn't work. I don't know why it didn't work out. Like you only interviewed him once. And so it's kind of funny, but we have 15 interviews. So when we were at Advoco, it was going to be 15 interviews because what I knew is eventually I'm going to get to who you are, mm -hmm. right? We're going to, 
walk through this. We're going to take our time. And what we're looking for is that person, one, who is willing to stick with it, right, that believes in it, that did their homework that says, this is the company I want to come work for. This is why I want to work there, and I'm going to stick to it. And believe it or not, I mean, it's shocking, is that I've had, like, parents send me notes saying, why won't you hire my kid? <laughs> He's already been there twice. What's going on? <clears throat> wow. And we're like, yep, got it. Exactly what we want. We know and, who he is now. Yeah, because everybody's really good at the, you know, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? That kind of stuff. If you were but a tree. If, if you, you were, were a tree, tree, you know. What was <laughs> that one? A what was that oak. one? If, how many gas stations are there in the United States? That was my it, question. Yeah, yeah, you know, it kind of flips people to think. But part of it is it's one of the process. Like, how do you get people to, like, again, to show their patience and to show how and why they want it? And to me, like, you know, probably the last thing is just what questions they ask because mm -hmm. a great salesperson is a great questioner. And if they don't ask any questions... How long does that take, Marty, if you're doing 15 interviews? How, what, what's the, what's the, was that weeks, months? What is it? Uh, it could be anywhere from... I mean, it could probably take 30 to 60 days. So you do a couple of interviews per day? Yeah, a couple of interviews. And then our favorite one is um, what we do is we would go through, obviously, we started with um, one of the fun things. And again, these are little, I hate to say, I'm going to teach the tricks so yeah. people have them. Yeah. We did something called Spark Source and, or Spark Hire. And Spark Hire would be you basically get on a video and a question comes up, and you have one minute to think about and one minute to answer. Mm -hmm. That's four questions. And it's hilarious because you go through it, and you just want to kind of get in their mind and what they think about quickly. There's no delete or redo mm -hmm. because we want to know firsthand. And some people will screw up, and probably the best answer is like, oh, can I do I'm gonna, Let me do it again. And, and it shows human. There's yeah. other people that are like, this is ridiculous. There's no delete. They, they get all pissed off. Out. Yeah. yeah. You're gone. Yeah. So we always start with that, and then we go through the interviews. And then our last interview is a 30-minute presentation in front of we'll have six, eight, ten people, mm -hmm. and you get to um, talk about anything you want. Mm -hmm. But it's 30 minutes to see if you can put together a cohesive mm -hmm. presentation. And it's, I mean, we've seen everything all over the board. How many people have gotten to that presentation out of 10 and not made it? Oh, gosh. I would say over half don't make it. So they've done 14 interviews. And they, and they don't come, make it. They can't make because they can't do that. They can't do wow. that. Wow. And, like, again, they start to weed out. Um, but it's amazing. Like, you can say all the right things, yeah. and, and we see all the right attributes, and then we realize that you're going to be in whatever. And if you can't stand up. No. We used to do, Marty, um, we used to, after all the screening we did, we would then say in the first 30 days, you've got to read this book, Atlas Shrugged, <laughs> which is a thousand pages long. Yeah. And we had people who literally lost their jobs because they couldn't do it. They, they were just, they would, <laughs> I mean, probably... listen, listen. Okay. I don't know how many hundred salespeople read the book. All right. So I don't know if any of them actually read the whole book, Yeah. but a lot of them kind of read it quickly or scanned yeah. it or looked at YouTube or something. But the ones who who couldn't even fake it yeah. a little bit, right. who just said, "I give up," yeah, I'm out. <laughs> I mean, so anyway, it's another way to test. You know, yeah. Obviously, you know, those people will find something they can do, but they we don't want them on our team. 
I just, I'm amazed at how quickly people hire, fire, just change the game. And yeah. so to me, if somebody is slow playing you, it's not a bad thing. Right. Appreciate it, understand it. To get on the right team. To get on the right team. Because yeah. this is serious stuff. I mean, to me, sales, like the greatest is when you can sell for 5, 10, 15 years. Yeah. But changing every two years. Oh, it's so hard. Just like Johnny, when he, he changed to a different company, has to learn a whole new everything, mm-hmm. right? And so you have to do that as a salesperson. Um, that's no good. One thing I will say about Marty's approach to hiring, before we both went to Accenture, you know, I, I was doing some consulting for, for Voco and helping, and we, we were in really ne- a big need of a lead generation person, right? And I had to get him hired, because him or her hired, because I was like, we're, we're behind the, the eight ball. <laughs> so, so I might have circumvented the, the, this process. <laughs> and this person had all the attributes that I'm talking about, but there was something that this interview does uncover. And first week this person's on the job, we're, we're having pizza and beer at this place <laughs> off of... Pleasantburg. I don't know where it was. No, Pleasant, whatever it was. Yeah. Grateful and, Brew. Yeah, and <laughs> this person makes a comment. Marty comes up to me and goes, oh, she's not, not the right person for us. And I she went, ain't going to survive. She ain't going to survive. No, what? And he told me, and I went, and by God, didn't survive for another week. And I was like, how did I miss that? Okay, we can't shortcut the process. Yeah. <laughs> and you want to know what the comment was? A stupid comment. She worked for the Phillies in ticket sales. And I said, oh, that's pretty cool. How was that? And she went on a 15-minute rate about what's the big, what's the Bryce Harper mm-hmm. and how much money he made and that everybody in the ticket office was getting screwed. And mm. that was her comment of the office was. And we hired in sales. <laughs> and so it's like, yeah, this is going to work. <laughs> I, gotta, I got something, and I think um, Johnny and I were having a conversation. We are talking about data streams yeah. and you, John. Yeah. What was the one thing you said you that John did that stood out to you? Yeah, and I never got to be a true part of it. I did, I did get to participate in a lot of your meetings when you bring Garcia and you do all mm-hmm. those events, and you always brought the pre-sales, pre-sales team as part of it. But the one thing I, know, I noticed, you always made all, the, uh, all your sales team record their phone calls. Mm-hmm. And then you, once, after you recorded it, you sit down with them and you'd go through, not to berate them on what they did wrong, but just to dissect that call and what, what the response could have been. Yeah. And I've used that today. I have Good. a tape of pro call, and I love that because and everybody doesn't want to do it. it it's, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> it's horrible. Right? It's but, <laughs> but it's such a great tool, and you taught me that yeah. because I think that I can now, okay, you see, when you said this, you didn't, you, you, another response could have been this. Yeah. Not that your response was wrong, but, you know, and yeah. that, also, that helped. I mean, you had like a significant amount of inside sales folks that you had to get on the right track, and that's that's an impressive feat to yeah. be able to do that, yeah. right? Well, the, yeah. the main thing I, I learned from doing all those calls, and I still do some today, is just people talking too much. Just literally, I'm like, here's here's the one piece of paper, okay, <laughs> and there's seven questions on it, all right? Here's be friendly, be friendly, you know, and ask for the order at the end or something. I mean, <laughs> and, and it would just be all off of the races about something that's not relevant. Yes. And so if you can just stop people from doing that for once, for one thing, um, it, and then the second thing is just for somehow, I'm, I'm listening to your call, and it, I'm like, hold on, stop the tape. Did you skip number five and number six? Yeah. Why? Why did you skip them? They're right, right. here in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> All you got to do is read them. Yep. And so, 
I, I, particularly when people begin sales, if they, if they can come up with a script and just literally in their own voice, just work their way down and find out what's the situation. That's all you want to know. What's the situation? You don't have to get the order and then come back the next time. So I'm glad you enjoyed that, Johnny. If you yeah. want me to listen to a tape, Absolutely. just let me know. Absolutely. Yeah. I did a bunch for, for uh, Marty's Inside. My team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we'd listened to them. We wrote the script. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was like, because I had, you know, some newbies, yeah. and they were trying to make the calls, and everybody's sort of like, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to say. <laughs> and so, Johnny, it was just a simple script that just gets them into the zone and then what happens is they're going to get thrown a curveball and so johnny would we would tape it and then you'd listen to the curveball and then you'd listen how they they respond and then you'd say you know what they're going to throw these every day and this is in this category what if we handle it this way yeah and they're like oh yeah and I, i i'm even guilty like sometimes i'll be talking to johnny and i was going into this big negotiation deal and he says let's work through the call hmm. let's talk to me like you're doing i'm like oh uh, no he'd get all irritated i'd get irritated he'd start doing it i'd be like i don't need any help i don't and then i'd be like and then i'd sit back and i'd go okay let's do this and sure enough 15 minutes 20 minutes in i'm like yeah. so much more comfortable but yeah people like when you get put on the spot you freak out right and it but you know well, if you're like in that negotiation i'm sure 90 percent of it went exactly like you practiced It's amazing if people will practice these things, the call goes about like you think it's going to go. Why why do you think that? Why? Um, I think that we have heard a lot of uh, conversations with people, and they're typically similar. If we ask this, they're going to say this. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, I think think we kind of know about what they're going to say. And if they say something weird, like if we're on question number four and they say something like, um, has your company ever thought about acquiring any other companies? Yeah. You say, you know, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure on that, but let me ask you this. And you go right back to number right. five. You yeah. know, you don't get off, boing, you know, off somewhere else. <laughs> the red, the, the, what is it, the, the, the smoked herring, the red, red herring, herring. The red herring, the right? herring. <laughs> <laughs> But here's the thing about that is, is you're framing the conversation, right? Because if you, if you leave a simple question, like, you know, like, hey, what's your favorite color? My favorite color is green. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we're good. But if you say, what's your favorite color? Well, growing up, I grew up on an island in Greece, <laughs> and, you know, the ocean was blue, and all the houses were, you know, white and blue, and so really love blue because I just love that picture. It's always in my yeah. head. Now I just framed why it's blue. So we, so when we do this, it's yeah. like we're framing it for them not to interpret anything, which drives it, which takes the conversation to where you want to go. So yeah. it's, a, it's a, we do it. We just don't label it kind of like right, that but that's right. that's what i that's how i i say it. it's like i'm framing the conversation to go my way yeah <laughs> i mean preparation i mean i laugh i was in the biggest negotiation of my life selling the company yeah and you could like my business partner and everything else i have pages and pages i would write the script every conversation i would write down i would run it by johnny and i would talk through it and steve would always look at me and go How'd you know they were going to say that? I had no idea. I just took them through these steps. I mm-hmm. knew I wanted to go through these things. And it's just hilarious how when you prepare, people will follow you. People will follow where you want them to go, mm-hmm. and you'll get the information you need. And so, yeah, I would say at the end of the day, if probably <laughs> we summed up the whole conversation, it really sounds like preparation and patience, yeah. right? That does. And I, I, <clears throat> why don't we do one more question each? Yep. And I'll go last. 
So, Johnny, you get the first question. I always get the first question. <laughs> do, you want, do you want Marty to have the first question? <laughs> no, no, question? no. You're, okay. All right. So, um, so I heard your interview earlier, and I found it very, very interesting. And one of the, and especially your last question was when you asked the, the previous gentleman, you know, you asked him, what am, you know, what am I not asking, right? So mm-hmm. I really love that question, but that's, that's, we can't, that's not for here. But I guess I heard you asking, like, what's your favorite book? What's your favorite movie? So I am going to ask you what your favorite book is. Oh, Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Shrugged. Atlas okay. Shrugged, yeah. Ayn Rand. And so, uh, we read it? Absolutely, like five times. It's my favorite <coughs> book. I wish I'd get my talking. 16-year-old to see it. <laughs> we're talking. Well, you're going to have to use all your powers of persuasion yes. to, get, to get the 16-year-old to read that's it. That's correct. It's, it's amazing how... A, how at that age she wrote a book. I mean, you know, a lot of people could debate that book, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's got a lot of it's got a lot of similarities with, in does. the world. It does. It does. Yes. <laughs> What's your favorite movie, John? Oh, uh, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Yeah, all day long. <laughs> all day long. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? I was second Johnny when he asked that. I said. I'm a little sappy when it comes to movies, and I love Winner, like the rookie. Remember, yeah, the, yeah. like when he gets called up to the major league, like I'm crying. Yeah. Um, the other favorite, and I don't know, I always looked at, you know, to me, you know, I'm an overnight success. You know, it took me 61 years, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to get where I am. And you know, you you kind of look back to going, what drove me? Like I don't know what drove me. And one of my favorite movies is um, Heath Ledger's A Knight's Tale. Hmm. Do you know that movie where he's jousting? And the only way you can be a jouster is you have to uh, be of noble descent. And the dad basically wants his son, so the dad's poor, he wants his son to learn this, sends him off with a knight and tells him to go change his stars. Mm. And it gets me now to this day is how do we as individuals change our stars Mm. instead of just being whatever, you know. I always laugh because my dad rode in a carpool. At Eastman Kodak, and to this day, my sisters laugh. I said, "I will never ride in a carpool." You know, like that mm-hmm. is like to me that was no. I'm going to own my own car. I'm going to drive myself to work. Mm-hmm. And so, anyways, that was the movie. Good, good. Well, <clears throat> my question is: You both have such great, always enthusiastic, positive attitudes. What are your rules for 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 putting on purpose good stuff in your brain? And what are your rules for keeping out? bad stuff. Marty? To me that, you know, it's funny because we fight it every day and Johnny and I talk all the time (laughs) and, you know, what is that? Zig Ziglar says, how do you keep out stinking thinking? And Zig Ziglar was always at the forefront of who I learned, listened to, and he said, as long as you help enough people get what they want, you'll always get what you want. And so if you just... When things start going south, when yeah. you start getting mad, you just go back to, can I help somebody else? And then you'll get what you want. So, right, right, that's good. So you know, I've been re- I've been reading a lot about uh, influence and the human emotion and and how people make decisions. And I think Marty might have made it a made it said it in one of your podcasts before COVID. I was all over the place. I might have been successful, but I was all over the place. I didn't wake up early. Now I'm a 5 a.m. wake up. Yes, person. sir. Hmm. Now I'm going to tell you why. What is that? It's called habit. So what I did is discipline and habit. I put in a habit. So, you know, for my, my brain can easily sway and go and, and put the bad uh, voices in. But if I keep my habit, which is get up in the morning, go exercise, 
read and write every day, you know, meditation, mm-hmm. which you talk about, mm-hmm. you know, those are the things that keep... Uh, will you have a, a, an episode where you get caught off guard? Yes. But if you continuously stay on that path, you minimize the... Or you mitigate that disruption. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's it. And, and Marty can attest to this. There's, I, tr- I do not miss my workout, even if I stayed up two in the morning. I'm getting up and I'm doing it, <laughs> yeah. right? I'm, I'm not going to... Because if three or four days of that, I'm... I'm, I'm I could be go the other way. Track, yeah. Right? Yeah. I think so. we're, I think the human condition is similar in all of us and that, yeah. that we allow, you know, stinking thinking or negative people or, you know, negative um, news, television, mm-hmm. whatever you want. I mean, you could easily fall into a hole 24 hours a day watching that stuff. And on the other hand, if you say, I'm going to fill my life with positive people, I'm going to have a steady feed of Zig Ziglar and Les Brown and, you know, all these other, uh, Robert Cialdini, all these people that are going to keep reminding me of the positive things and what I can do to be successful. You think about, you know, even in tough times, how many businesses were started, like Amazon was started, like in, in a horrible time. It's like, hmm, yeah. I guess it ain't that bad, you know? So I, I think it's a, it's a habit, it's a constant struggle to, to feed the wolf, you know, not the sheep. Yeah. John, one of my pet peeves, and I hope nobody, whoever's listening to them, I said that, is like, <laughs> oh, when they complain about their territory. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, there is no bad territory. <laughs> no, not in this country, there's not. No, there's so, there's so many businesses out there, it's crazy. So you're it's right. Bad workers. <laughs> Remember, we used to always argue about where's the Glen Gary leads, right? Yeah. I didn't get the good leads. You know, where are the good leads? Well, and, listen, I remember. I remember when we had uh, we had Starbucks and Amazon were both early customers, like of MP2 or something. Yeah. I remember coming. I went out and visited out there, and I came back and I'm like, ah, there's just not much business out there. There's just not much. I mean, we could have built a whole company around maintaining those two companies. Yes. I mean, yep. you were. Th- I remember. I don't know how much time we have, but I remember uh, Chicago Tribune. Yeah. I was working it with David Poe, yeah. and I was the priestess after the first meeting, and I went, this thing's baked for the competitor. But David's like, yeah, I wrote it to him in a piece of paper. We're in this big room, and we worked it. We worked it, and I think you were involved too, and John. Yeah. And, and I was like, there is, I mean, I will, I, I, I never strayed away. I did everything I was supposed to do, but I was like, there is no way. How is it possible? And boom. You made it happen, right? And if we if that noise would have stayed there, yeah. probably would have not have happened. But, well, you know, I didn't I didn't know about that noise. That yeah. was good. Yeah. But <laughs> I got lucky the the the, the COO there was it but, but I was surprised too, because it's rare that someone has a competitor's product Correct. and then switches out. But right. maybe you just did a great job. Nah, well it was a team effort, but I will say that keeping that positive attitude. Sometimes, you yeah. know, you just got to stay on course. We had a couple of beers and the O'Hare, I That's believe, right. afterwards. <laughs> Sushi afterwards, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. <laughs> well, listen, thank you guys for being on the very first Noob School panel. Yeah, there we go. It. I love being first. We're yeah. going to do it more often. Thank you for having us, John. Yeah, thank and, you. Uh, Appreciate it. We hope that uh, helps people. All right. Thank you, yeah. JB. Thank all you. Right. Thank, thank you, everyone. All right.